I make records all the time, though. There's tons of stuff in the vault, and um, we'll see. It. It'll come out one of these days. This is the story of Welcome to America, produced by the Prince Estate and distributed by Sony Music Entertainment. Welcome back to the official Prince podcast. This is the first of four episodes that we've put together for you to celebrate the intriguing 2010 album, Welcome to America, which is being released from Prince's vault for the very first time on July 30th. I'm Andrea Swenson. I'm a music journalist in Prince's hometown of Minneapolis, and I'm excited to be co-hosting this episode with a very special guest, the talented vocalist, songwriter, producer, and entrepreneur, Shelby J. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, Shelby. Now, I know the Prince fans and fams listening are familiar with you, but for the uninitiated, can you tell us how long you worked with Prince? Yes, I sang with Prince and the MPG from the end of 2006, um, doing live shows till right up until about 2015. And then I was going into Paisley as he was listening to songs uh, for my album, um, just visiting him and spending time one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, up until our last time hanging, which was in January 2016. So, wow. Yeah. And I know you are heavily involved in the making of Welcome to America because your voice is heard all throughout this album. Yes, it is. I And I'm so grateful and thankful. Um, you know, I always say how Prince was so generous with his light and he pushed my vocal way up um, to lead on certain songs like uh, Son of a Slave Master. I remember sitting with him and going over that, all those lyrics, and he's got me singing the whole song. So, and then, you know, my vocals, my voice, that deep tenor, raspy, kind of Mavisy voice, you can hear it all throughout the record. So it's a, it's a real honor. It's a real honor. Before we get too far, I feel like we need to play more of these unreleased songs for the people listening. So we've been checking out the title track, Welcome to America. What should we cue up next? Well, you know, my favorite song is Same Page, Different Book. I'm just saying, Thousand Light Years from Here Too. But we'll be getting into that one later. How about we start with Check the Record? especially cool because it's the first time that a complete unreleased album has been issued from Prince's vault. He recorded these songs in the spring and fall of 2010, around the time that he was giving away his album 2010 as a free cover mount across Europe. But by the time you all hit the road for the Welcome to America tour, 
This album of the same name had been archived in the vault. What has it been like for you to hear this work again 11 years later? It's really a time capsule. You know, it's like we did this stuff 10, 11 years ago and hearing it for the first time is like going back in time, remembering what we were doing on those specific days, meals we would have, conversations we would have. It brought all those memories back. To kick things off, I thought we should go back to the beginning and tell folks about how these songs first took shape. And from what I've gathered, a lot of these stories all lead back to the same place, a suburban hotel in Shanhassen, Minnesota, just down the street from Paisley Park. Yes, the country in and sweets. That's our home away from home. <laughs> we basically lived there. It was like our dorm. Everybody that recorded with Prince, you know, we'd have like 20, 30 rooms at a time when the whole band was there. And we got to know all the staff. They would let us store stuff there. <laughs> it was really our home away from home. When I go back to Minneapolis and I'm at Paisley, I always want to stay there because, you know, that's home. Now, one of the artists who checked in at the Country Inn and Suites at the very beginning of the Welcome to America era was Tal Wilkenfeld, then a 21-year-old bass prodigy who is turning heads in the industry, performing with legends like Jeff Beck. John Blackwell gave him my number after Prince saw me playing on TV with Jeff Beck. I just started playing with Jeff Beck, I think maybe a year before. And then Prince called me and the first question wasn't, how are you? It was, do you like the drum rolls of Jack DeJunette? And I was like, of course I do. And we, we became friends after that. <laughs> what a line. Um, yeah, and then he went on to telling me that him and Larry Graham have been uh, watching my YouTube videos on repeat. Prince and Tall started jamming together in 2008, and by the next year, Prince had asked Tall to recruit a drummer for a potential trio project. You know, I was touring a lot at this time. Jeff Beck and Herbie, there was a lot going on, and he had a lot going on. And I remember at one point, he said, okay, I want you to find me a drummer for this trio. I really want to put this trio together. And so I wanted to audition drummers, but I didn't want to like psych them out. If you walk into an audition and you know it's an audition, you just don't quite play the same. So I called a few drummers up. Chris Coleman was one of them. And then there was two or three other people. And I just said, hey, do you want to get together and, and jam? And I thought, well, if they say no to me, then they're saying no to a great gig, but they don't even know they're saying no to it. <laughs> that was my test. So I get a random text message from Tall. This is Chris Coleman. She was like, hey, you want to come over and jam? You know, I just want to hang out. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, no worries. So we jammed and I sent recordings to Prince and Prince picked him. I didn't know then, you know, that she sent three different drummers to him and he ended up choosing me. Yeah, so no pressure, you know. <laughs> no pressure at all, you know. <laughs> the first time Chris and Tall went to Paisley Park to jam with Prince as a trio was December 4th, 2009. Chris arrived first. When I first got there, it was like straight into the studio. And 
you don't know what to expect, you know, <laughs> crazy thing, right? You know, so super chill. No lights, no cameras, no entourage. It was just super chill. So I show up and Rick, his assistant at the time, he says, yeah, man, hey, come with me. I want you to check out these drums. So it's like, I'm, you know, secretly, silently freaking out, you know. Uh, he says, check out the drums. So I checked out the drums and Rick says, yeah, well, well P said, he calls it P. So he says, P says, um, if you don't like it, you know, we can go to the store. And this is all before you'd even met him. He hasn't even come in the room yet, you know. <laughs> so Rick and I jump in the car and we head to Guitar Center. And can, you can imagine, I'm like, I'm with his assistant. We're going to the Guitar Center to buy me drums. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm just kind of like looking up like, really, guy? Really? Like, you fix me? He's like, fixed, you know? <laughs> One surreal Guitar Center shopping experience later, Chris was back at Paisley Park setting up a brand new drum kit in the soundstage when he finally met Prince. And I reached out, I'm messing with this double pedal, right? And I heard someone walking up on stage. When I come up, he's standing right there. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And the first thing out of his mouth was, he looks at the drums and he goes, I wondered what kind of color you were going to buy. Nice. <laughs> what color was it? It was like a silver sparkle, <laughs> which means they look good under any light. As Chris chatted with Prince, he realized that before he could even adjust to being in Prince's presence, the two of them were about to start jamming. It was just surreal. He, Rick is putting the bass over his, you know, over his neck. While we're talking, I'm going, no. No, 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 And I'm like, I'm I'm sending a SMS Zoom link to my heart, like, yo, do not stop right now. Just keep beating. I know you're beating super fast. Just don't give up. Like, don't give out on me right now. I really need you. <laughs> you know, this type of vibe. And then he he starts playing. You remember the song 7779311? Oh yeah. He's the now, I kid you not, I felt like the angels were there, like sitting with me. I'm so serious. And they were just looking at me like, you could play this, remember? I think he was kind of shocked, you know? When I started playing it, he was playing the bass, and he looked at me like, like looked at the drums like, oh, okay, you know this song. And honestly, for me personally, I think that's what sealed the deal, you know, because after that, he immediately went to referencing certain artists and styles of music, like James Brown and all that. And I said, yo, James is my favorite. And I, I just started off in a groove and he started playing with me, you know, and that was it. Like we were two peas in a pot. Once Tall arrived at Paisley Park, the new trio started to feel each other out on stage. It sounded like how I'd imagine a trio would sound with, with Prince. And uh, it just felt natural and organic. And it actually happened a lot quicker than I would have assumed it would happen. Because, you know, we got together once for a few days in that rehearsal hall. And then the next time we were there, we were recording and like, literally tracked the whole album in a matter of days between two trips that were 
almost back to back. brought Tall and Chris back to Paisley Park for those recording sessions in March and April of 2010. Once Tall and Chris set up in Studio A with Prince, they learned just how quickly Prince worked and how much he enjoyed keeping everyone around him on their toes. We didn't know the songs ahead of time. We didn't know the chords. We didn't know nothing. Like the, the stuff that we did in the rehearsal hall had nothing to do with what we did in the studio. So basically like in the studio... He would just say, okay, it's going to be this chord, this chord, then that, and then I'll point when the next section, and then, and so then, okay, let's go, <laughs> roll the tape. And we'd start recording, not knowing where the song was going even, and what section was coming up next or anything. And he wasn't singing along. He would just occasionally get on the mic and say, chorus, or bridge, and lose the snare, or snare. Like on same page, different book, he'd point to me and say, bass fill. But I never knew that that was coming up. It ended up happening four times in the song, but every time he'd just point to me. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like I didn't expect the whole song to be like filled with these solo bass fills. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. A lot of that we recorded, there were no vocals. Really? At all. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear vocals until the first listening part. And also, like, he would only do something once or twice. Like, it was one take for most of this album. Maybe a second take, but usually just one take. And he wasn't into doing punches. We were recording the tape. So, like, if there was a mistake, I mean, seldom was there a mistake, but if there was something you wanted to maybe change or improve upon, he would say no. Like, <laughs> so that was fun. I learned a lot from that. I learned about just committing to what I was playing in the moment without any doubts because there wasn't a second chance. And um, I just learned that confidence, but like kinesthetically learned it, not like because he said, well, be confident. Like just learned it from the experience of being on the edge and just not knowing what's happening next. And I think he loved that. He's old school. Like you just flow with him. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, okay, there's an itinerary coming and you'll have from three to nine. You It's just like, ah, just go with the flow. You know, we we in his playground, you know, that type of thing. I feel like I had a special flow in because I felt like we valued a lot of the same things. Play from your heart, make it funky, just be cool about it, have fun, and be human.
Now, Shelby, I know you had a front row seat to a lot of musicians coming and going from Paisley Park over the years. Does this all square with what you've learned about working with Prince? What Chris is saying there reminds me of something that I know you've mentioned Prince saying a lot. Be like water. Prince would tell me to be like water all the time. Like, Shelby, just flow. Like, you don't have to think so much. You just, you know, learn to let go and learn to be like water. And I take that with me now in my life, how I approach things. I hear him in my head, you know, when I'm looking five different directions and I don't know what to do. And it's like all this stuff is going on and life can get a little chaotic. I hear him in my head saying, Shelby, be like water. You know, just flow. And it instantly relaxes me, instantly. Some of the best advice I ever got. So at the same time that Prince, Tall, and Chris were laying down their tracks as a live trio in Studio A, he would also be rehearsing his trio of vocalists and getting you all ready to record your parts. Shelby, what do you say we call up your fellow NPG vocalists to hear what they remember about these sessions? Let's do it. Y'all remember yes, remember that note? He wanted us to hold it. And and because we would do so many vocals around the mic at the same time, like they would do during Aretha's times, and everybody had to get their note right. It wasn't Elisa go in, Leah go in. Like we would do stuff, the three of us around the mic. So if one person messed up, the other two people had to do it over two. This is the singer Elisa Fiorillo Dees. I can just remember sitting next to Elisa. Elisa smiles when she sings. So I'm just looking at her. And this is the singer Liv Warfield. And on the song, yes, he wanted that last note held, even though we change and go with that, yeah, 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 and try to figure out a place to breathe. I was like, I have never held a note that long in my natural life. <laughs> you remember what? when he showed out and said, you can't do it? Do you remember him singing in front of us? <laughs> And holding it out. Oh, that's like, right. like, 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 <laughs> we're like, it can't be done. He's like, yes, it can. And I'm gonna show you. I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm like, boy, you better you better breathe some more, Shelby. Do your lung exercises or something, honey, because he wants that note held. And we did, we did it, it though. When you listen to the record, you can hear it. And we like, yeah, 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 yeah. Shelby, Liv, and Elisa are the vocalists that you hear alongside Prince on all but one of the songs on Welcome to America. As a trio, the singers spent countless hours in the studio and on the road with Prince, and they have stories for days. The three of us together are a force, and I know that Prince could hear that and feel that. When you listen to the album, you can hear it. We were his crayons. It's like, <laughs> and he put us wherever he wanted us. And he knew like, okay, put a little bit of live here. Yep. Put a, oh, hot 
summer. You know, okay, put a little bit of Liv right there. Put a little bit of Lisa right here, you know. Get your kitchen. Put a little bit of Shelby right, right here. Talk about what the deal, daddy. Yeah. You know, he just, he knew. I think he understood that we could handle it, but I also know that he knew that we respected him so much and loved him so much that we yeah. were able to flow like water. Like the trust, mm -hmm. the trust was there right. with us. Yeah. That's why he would call Shelby, you got the girl? We were there, we were always there and he mm -hmm. trusted that. There's something to say yeah. for that, that you can walk into a studio with just having anybody there be like, okay, I know my girl's got it. You know, and yeah. something to say for that, you know? Yeah, real talk, real talk. When Prince began recording the songs for Welcome to America, he called on his vocalists to contribute in major ways. In addition to providing backing vocals and harmonies, they also each had a chance to sing lead and even rap. Before they went into the studio with Prince Dull, they spent long nights rehearsing their parts in their hotel. I have to hear more about your time at the Country Inn and Suites rehearsing your vocals together in Shelby's room, was it? Tell me, I, I just want to hear everything about that whole process. He had the candles <laughs> lit, she was ready. She called us in, we went. She had gotten a call from Prince, get the girls to learn this. We sat there, we worked. We worked. We worked. It was great. We worked. We worked. Yeah, we did. We really did. Upon, for oh, hours. Hour. Before rehearsal. Before <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> Before no. rehearsal, we was rehearsing. Yeah. Okay. And so I would feel like a sense of pressure to make sure the vocals were right because I knew if it wasn't, he was going to call me and 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 tell me, uh-uh, you know, if y'all rehearse two hours, rehearse three and a half next time, you know. We would go and rehearse in my room two, three hours before we went over to Paisley. So we would be ready. It even continued at Paisley. Remember the little round area with the little, you know, where we, where yeah, we used the to table. The band would be rehearsing and we knew that at any moment Prince was going to pop his head in and we didn't want to look like we were just <laughs> sitting there. So we're like, let's just go over this again. Like we yeah. were insane. Like we yeah, were constant. constant. It was, yeah. I wonder we yeah, blend so well. Yeah, going in the know? big bathroom. <laughs> yeah, we sang in the bathroom. The choreography, the air parts. <laughs> Everything. I mean, and, was, and that's the thing, too. This is a relationship we've all had to form with each other. I mean, to be around each other this long, leaving our families and stuff like that. Like, we became a family to each other. And yeah. um, it was a lot. Like, with him, you had to have a very much of a sense of understanding of the love and appreciation you have to have for music because you are kind of being pulled in a way that people normally would not be pulled. Not everybody can handle that. I want to know from Liv and Elisa what their favorite song is on the Welcome to America album and why. Same page, different book. Same page, different book for sure. Mm -hmm. It's so funky, right? Disappointment that you would never see. Same page, 
advance warning did you get that you were about to rap on a Prince song? None. Not really none. <laughs> like, yo, I need a rap right here. Go out in the hallway and write it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, who does that? Like, that's the one thing I think all of us can can agree on. Like, this man would make me believe in myself more than I even believed in myself. You know, and 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 show me that I could do things that I didn't think I could do. He didn't ask to see it or anything. And I just got on the mic, he trusted me, and I got on the mic and did it, and he loved it. And it was like, oh snap, like, oh, okay, I'm rapping, I got bars. I got bars. <laughs> Chapter first, which came first? Thinking too slow, why to snatch your purse? Faith law, good deeds, practicing what you preach. Between you and me, TV ain't reality. That's right, I said it is said. By this, cop that all up in your head. 24 hour news, that ain't right. Huh. Them suckers got your day, leave it at midnight. He'd take us in his Mercedes SUV, black SUV. And I remember it being late, actually. I remember just remember all the hits bopping in the car. <laughs> We're driving, listening to it, just funking out. I mean, we were driving along this one road, and I was sure we were going to hit a deer or something because it was dark out. But we didn't care. We were just funking up in the car and just, I was thinking to myself, this should be on the radio. Damn. Yeah. You know, it was the one that I thought, mm, this is it. This this is going to bring him back. I, I really felt that. Yeah. And I was mad that it never came out. Now it's coming out. So I hope that's the biggest one. Yeah. I hope I was right. <laughs> Different. Speaking of songs on the radio, there is one song that was released on The Current, Hot Summer. And Liv, you have a big shine on that song. I love the hook on that one. What do you remember about that song coming together? Oh, hot summer. I remember Liv, I put you this thing is hot summer, but in his falsetto. <laughs> I remember him oh. singing that back to me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then like, when I finally heard it, I was, I honestly, I didn't know where it was going. And then I finally listened back and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I really love the fact that it was, everything else was so serious, but then it just came to this fun, Kind of like feel good vibes. Oh, hot summer! I love it. 
you come in strong. You come in strong on that, you know? And it, it, it makes me think like we're all at the beach doing the twist. That's just what I feel. I'm like, we all like Annette Funicello and the, you know, the beach movies. I like, we should, we all in the beach throwing beach balls and doing a twist. That's just what I feel when I hear that song. So I say it's going to be a hot purple summer. That's what I say. Okay. <laughs> yes. And do you remember we got in the car and went down to the lake that day? I do. All I those remember. people were outside and I'm thinking, this broad daylight, they're, they're going to see him. <laughs> But we didn't care. We had the windows rolled down and we were playing hot summer. There's nothing like driving in a car and listening to yeah. music. And I think I think he agreed. That's like one of the tests that you do when you listen to a mix. Exactly. Yep. You know, you have it has to sound yeah, good. Man, because people listen to their music in cars mostly. Right. I like when he would play a mix back to us in, in the control room. And he would dance around and like be so sure of himself. And then he'd just stop at midway, just like, yeah, that's enough. That that's all you get to hear. <laughs> well, you have to play the whole thing. Yeah, Don't just give us a snippet. <laughs> Come on. He wouldn't even play when she comes, oh, remember? Would, we weren't oh, even he would let us sing on it. He would let us sing on it and he wouldn't he play would it. Let us sing on it. <laughs> we sang on everything else, but not on that. He was like, Nope, I got uh-huh. that. <laughs> so he did that. That's all Prince. All Prince all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> With his little grown self. I said, ooh, Prince. When she comes, she never closes her eyes. No, no, no. I wanted to also ask about Stand Up and Be Strong, uh, which starts with Elisa before Prince comes in. What was that like to record? Well, I think it was somebody else's mm-hmm. song, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a cover. It was not... Soul Asylum. Yeah, Soul Asylum. Um, but I didn't even know that at the time. It's like such a pop song, you know, compared to the other stuff that, that we had been working on. You might be right. You might be wrong You might just think Your life has gone on for too long Your knees get weak Yes, they do Your heart grows cold And you're tired of doing Everything that you're told and with the with the album, you know, with us, you know, doing the vocals in 2010, I wanted to ask you guys, like, I know how I felt. It felt like a time capsule when I, because I forgot so most of the stuff we did. It's like we had done so much more stuff between 2010 and, and hearing it in 2021. It's like, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time, even though I know that's us. So when you heard it for the first time and like listen down, what were some of the things that it sparked for you? Some of the some of the memories and things like that. How did it, how did you feel listening to it, you know, top to bottom? I had forgotten half of the things that I said or sang because we sang it once basically, and it was recorded. He was having so much fun just 
orchestrating. It was like a chemistry that he was creating with us, with this record. And he could see the fruition. He could see what was going to come in the future, I think, with us being on stage together. It was the family. It was the just the connection with everyone. You guys held me up so many times or I'd be breaking down, missing my daughter. So I just think of the family, the, the unit that we had and how strong it was. And that that's the memories I, I, I listened and that's what I remembered. How about you, Liv? I agree a lot with Elisa. I think for me, because it, the atmosphere was so new, it was mind blowing for me. I was in shock. And it was a good shock because I was, I felt like I was just being like, okay, time to grow up. <laughs> time to musically grow up. Um, yeah. And time to be taught, time to listen, time to really be aware of everything, aware of not even musically, just aware of life surroundings. And also just the beauty of family. I think Prince, really, 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 really loved us and loved his music family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with listening now is we, you know, everybody's, you know, got their own different careers and people are doing stuff with their own bands and Elisa's doing shows, Elisa's preparing for shows, I'm recording, about to get back out there. We're coming out of this pandemic and everybody's ready for real music. Mm -hmm. I mean, the timing of this couldn't be better because people are hungry for real music by real musicians. And when you listen to this now, and, and I know how I felt listening to it in 2021, isn't it amazing how relevant it is and how he's tapping on stuff like everything that happened during the election, everything that happened with, um, you know, you have George Floyd, you have all of this stuff that's happening in the world. People are now talking more about Black Wall Street. He was talking about that in 2010. He put me on to that. I didn't know what that was. You know, the Harlem Renaissance and all of this stuff, he's, he's laying it out there, 2010. To me, it was like, this man is prophetic, you know? He's a, yeah, and I don't throw that word prophet around easily, but this brother right here, 100%. You know, yeah. And like I said, music, it ain't milk, it don't expire. So, <laughs> you know, and it's even better. It's even better now because it's, I think people's ears and eyes are open coming out of, like I said, the pandemic. Everything people have been through, their eyes and their ears are open. They're going to be able to really, really receive what he's saying on this album. Exactly. It was clear to those around him that Prince was excited about this new batch of songs. He would invite Chris Coleman and Tal Wilkenfeld to come back to Paisley Park at the end of May 2010 to listen to the finished album. But unbeknownst to either of them at the time, that would be their final visit to Paisley Park and their last time seeing Prince. Although Prince would continue working on Welcome to America through the end of the year, his communication with Tal and Chris stopped that summer 
and the album will be archived in the vault by the winter. Timing is everything. And I don't know what his reasons were for not putting it out then. I got no indication of uh, a why. I just remember him saying he was happy. He was happy with us. He was really happy because he said it. He said, now I've been waiting to get this sound out. Thank you so much. Like you really helped me get this sound out. You know, this is different from any other thing I've done. And I've been sitting on this for a while, you know, and it's crazy when you listen to the songs, how it speaks to the times of what we're going through in this country right now. It sounds like he just like he just wrote this like he was. He was watching the news and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, be strong, you know, welcome to America. It's telling true stories, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, you can fact check those. Yeah, he meant this. And now it makes sense when he said to me on the last day or the last song, thank you so much. I've been trying to get this out. You know, I've been trying to get this out. Of, I think he was more or less out of me, like not just out in the world, but just this sound like I got this sound stuck in my head. I remember the last time I, I saw him, I have a v- vivid memory of, of him sitting at this desk and and I walked in and he, and he thanked me and he just said, like, I've been looking for this sound for years and I, I'm really grateful that you helped me find it. It was the sweetest thing and uh, so sad that that's my last memory. I mean, that's that's an honor that that we could be of any assistance. Coming up next on The Story of Welcome to America, I'll be joined by another special guest co-host, Prince's longtime musical director, Morris Hayes, who co-produced many of the Welcome to America tracks. We'll talk to more of Prince's collaborators to dig deeper into the meaning of the lyrics on this record and how they relate to the real-time conversations Prince was having in 2010 about politics, racism, and a burgeoning new social justice movement. And who better to join us than one of Prince's closest friends in this era, the renowned activist, artist, and educator, Dr. Cornell West. But the other side that's so deep about Prince was he's unapologetically Black, unapologetically human, unapologetically himself as a particular Black man, a free Black man. Correct. All three levels. The story of Welcome to America is produced by the Prince Estate and distributed by Sony Music Entertainment. This story was written and co-produced by me, Andrea Swenson. Shelby J was my co-host. Anna Wegel is our producer, and Corey Schreffel is our technical director. Thanks also to Trevor Guy, Zach Hockable, Michael Howe, and Dwayne Tudal. Order your copy of Welcome to America at Prince.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, search for The Story of Welcome to America on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check it like an escort flag.